0: And the good thing about working with people from more different cultures, you know, immigrants, Canadians that have been here, is you get to learn new things, you get to see new perspectives.
1: Hi, everyone! Welcome to Designer Sushi, a podcast about the everyday life of a UX designer through the perspectives of two career switcher UX designers. That have a shared working experience in japan i'm your host mika and i'm located in tokyo japan
2: and i'm your other host Lori, and i'm located in toronto canada so welcome everyone for another episode of designer sushi and we have a very special guest with us we have here moshope who is located in toronto canada as well and he is a product designer at Meta. So Mashope, welcome to our space here in Designer Sushi.
0: Awesome! Thanks for having me, Laurie. Thanks for having me, Mika. And looking forward to this, you know, conversation and chatting.
2: For sure so. Yes. Uh, yeah, so before we begin, just wanted to uh, like check in on you because uh, we've been hearing a lot about the news of Meta, the layoffs, and it's been yeah. um, it's quite like a global uh, news right now, and it's really hurting hard in our industry. So because you're working in Meta, and I know you weren't affected by the layoffs, but how has that has been impacting you?
0: Yeah, it's been a very tough time within the tech ecosystem with you know layoffs happening and all that, you know, and... It's not easy also to losing colleagues and all but Mm. basically now the you know what 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 is just the next step for me right now like you know pushing forward and i'm hitting my goals that's the important thing but yeah like you know it's it's a very somber period and doing uh, right now we're doing our possible best at least i'm doing my possible best to ensure the team members are laid off like you know trying to connect them and support them and all yeah and it's been very different for different team members. Like, you know, some people mourning the losses of others, but in, you know, hashtags, same hashtag we move, but I'm grateful that like you know, I'm still here, but also, also supporting people that are not, that that left us. And yeah, it, it, I'm hoping this period passes in tech and things bounce back. So yeah. But thanks for asking Laurie.
2: For sure. I totally understand um how you feel just cuz like when I was like when I was actually working in um in Tokyo I was part of a layoff. Well in Japan they don't really um have like abrupt layoffs compared to like in US or in Canada. Like it's actually really hard to lay off people in Japan, but like they do force you to quit. So like I was also forced, yeah, like forced to quit because I was working in tourism that time in Japan because during COVID. So uh, yeah, like it really does suck to see even if you're in that company, it does decrease the morale because all your coworkers that you work so close with over the years, they are gone and it's out of their control. So totally related to that. But hopefully, yeah, things will get better. If you need support as well, too. We're here for you. Thank you so much.
1: There's a lot to talk about in this episode, but before that, let me pose an icebreaker question. You haven't uh visited Japan yet, ever, so oh, yeah, I haven't. But now, good news, Japan is finally open, <laughs> so you can now come to Japan whenever you want. So, if you ever there comes a time that you will visit Japan, what is the first thing that you want to do, or the first place that you want to visit?
0: Yeah, when I visit Japan, definitely I want to visit Tokyo and you know Shibuya and all that Mm -hmm. i definitely want to visit a very authentic ramen shop so like you know to have the the real thing Preferably tonkatsu ramen because that's my favorite so have good ramen visit shibuya see like all that particular stuff maybe do some karaoke and all but then also on the trip i also want to like you know get the views of mount fuji if i have time maybe go to maybe go to um, kyoto but yeah there's just so much to do but yeah that's the main thing i want to do so once, once i come in so yeah so many places to see and eat and food to eat but
1: yeah sounds like a great plan like once you come to japan just let me know definitely i, <laughs> I can take you, know. you to the to the ramen restaurants here like so many awesome yeah the the sushi place the kaiten sushi the rotating sushi sushi oh, nice, so that's nice. another thing that you might want to try out until yeah. then japan exactly. is waiting for you
0: <laughs> exactly awesome arigato gozaimasu
2: <laughs> there you go <laughs> That's so funny because uh, Mika said Shibuya was her favorite place in Tokyo. So yeah. Mika, your Shibuya consultant. Hello.
0: <laughs> exactly, we'll do everything, and I will guess some merch too, like you know, some Funko Pops and some nice figurines and all to take home. So
1: that's the uh, you have Akihabara for that if you wanna yeah, if you wanna Akihabara, Akihabara.
2: the anime figures. Okay, sounds like it's a very very touristy type of. <laughs> but that's okay there's no shame in that uh we all have to do the tourist things at once too so Mm -hmm. just like get that checked get that uh should be a scramble check get that like everyone needs a geikokujin experience yeah the the foreigner experience foreigner experience yeah All right, so yeah, so we can like get started now. So the first question, Moshope, is please introduce yourself because yes, yeah, some of our listeners want to learn more about you. So yeah, give us an introduction of who you are.
0: Okay, awesome. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Moshope. If you are listening on the African continent, I'll pronounce it like, you know, the Nigerian way, Moshope, that way. So like, you know, um, Mm -hmm. glad to be here. I'm currently a product designer at Meta, where I work within the business side of Meta, like within the ads and advertising. And I've been in the design space for uh, since 2008 or about now, starting off with you know graphic design, visual design, UI design, UX, they're not fully into product design. and I've had experience working within e-commerce, working within technology, you know two tech companies right now, and also in consulting. So yeah, it's really pretty interesting. I'm currently based in the Toronto area in Canada. and I've been in Canada since 2019. I moved from Nigeria in 2019 and as you like you know i'm nigerian so really proud and all so yeah that's my short introduction
2: yeah
1: yeah thank, thank you, you so much for that yeah. african designers represent yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> it's so funny because i think i told you this with Shope before but i did actually meet quite a lot of nigerians in tokyo And it's funny, I've never met a lot in Toronto, and I know there was a huge um, community in Toronto, but actually some of my friends, when I first moved in Tokyo, actually were Nigerians, because we were all studying Japanese together. And there were some that were like really good at Japanese. So I was like, I need to, you know, I need to group with them because uh, <laughs> back in university, you group with the smart people. So I was like <laughs> grouping with them. I was like, hey, let's have study sessions because I know you guys are like acing us in Japanese. So like, yeah, we'd have like study together in Japanese. And then I actually got introduced a lot to like the, um, the Afro community in Tokyo. And it's quite huge. Uh, most of them are like half. Um, half Japanese so they call them like mm-hmm. hafu in Japanese so oh, yeah. it'll be like yeah like half Nigerian half Ghanian um, it's quite a lot and actually the Miss Universe Japan in 20 was it 2021 she was Miss Universe Japan was uh, half Ghanaian, half Japanese and then runner up was half Japanese half Nigerian so yeah there's a pretty oh, good oh
0: wow I definitely yeah. should google that fact
2: <laughs> yeah there's a good yeah um like Nigerian community in Japan not many people know that but they're They are there. There's an area that I heard that they frequent, but I didn't know that it was that big. It was not
1: until you mentioned it.
2: Well, like, okay, Mika, okay, you know, like, when we say big in, like, foreign community in Japan, it's, like, pretty small (laughs) because Tokyo (laughs) is, like, 13 million people. It's the biggest city in the Mm. world. So when I say big, I'm, like, okay, think of it like foreign community and then break it Mm -hmm. down because foreign community Uh, is... Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Foreign community, break it down, Yeah in the All foreign right, community, right. It's not okay, in the big scope of Tokyo, it's like yeah, not that big, but in the foreign community, it's pretty big, like the night, mm. like the African community. So yeah, but
1: I imagine it must be a pretty tight community too. Because usually, oh, yeah. I think for Africans, I think like they're very how do I say like close knit and like they really value like each other's company. I think just from what from my impression. So I, oh, I yeah. imagine
0: definitely and you know to kind of like talk about this you know with uh with, with, with once um with us being like you know a minority first of all people of color mm. you know it, it's better for you to band together because there are experiences that are very unique to black people you know mm. microaggressions and that racism and all that like you know you it's best to be your community and i know like you know in north america we have that too but asia like some part of asia just kind of waking about up, opening up to see more like you know black people mm. coming in and co so it's you know with time you know you it, things will get better but definitely when you're in a foreign country it's always very good to support each other and stick together because you know that's how you, you we have each other's backs and that's even over here that's how it usually is like you know you mix you know you mix you, you make friends generally but you know your community has your back so
2: mm-hmm. for sure that, that's for sure. true it's like yeah we know ne- i never really hung out with the locals in japan too the foreign community was like where was exactly. i in tokyo <laughs> Yeah, so let's move on to the next question. So um, like, yeah, like you said before, you've been living in Toronto for around three years now. So what made you decide to move from your home to the big city of Lagos, Nigeria, to the small town of Toronto, Canada?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good question. So when I, when I was about moving to Canada, it was particularly different. In Nigeria, I had worked for some of the best companies over there. And, you know, the tech industry in Nigeria is, thanks to the pandemic and whatever, it's really grown a lot. But back then, it was still growing, it was still beginning. And I kind of hit a ceiling in my career. And I was like, you know what? If I, I've worked for the best companies. After I've worked there for like three years, four years, where's the next place to go to? And I just knew that, okay, you know what? For me to be able to say I'm really world-class, I need to move. Now, thanks to the pandemic and everyone working from home and co, the world is open to remote work. But back then, remote wasn't a thing. So for me to work in companies international companies i have to move physically so that kind of prompted my saying here i'm gonna to move to canada and you know why canada the us the states the states is, is it's also very good too but immigration is tighter over there like you know lots of gun whatever killing the mm. you know, police killing black people i'm like nah canada is you know chill more calmer way colder so that's what prompted me to say hey like you know i'm gonna give canada a try and it's been very amazing so
1: far if I may chime in, so was it always Canada that was your target, or you you were just thinking like, oh, I need to widen my horizons in another place, or was Canada always the place that you were targeting to move to?
0: Oh yeah, I knew I wanted to widen my horizon, and at that point, Canada was like, you know, I could easily, I could easily apply for the process to come. I came as a permanent resident to Canada, so mm. I could easily apply for that. But going to other countries, like, you know, it's really tough and all I'm Like, yeah, I want a country that is English-speaking. I want somewhere that's, you know, really growing and all. Mm. I'm like, yeah, Canada is it. And Canada also, too, like, you know, allows you to have, like, pretty fast immigration process. In a couple of years and everything, you can become a citizen and all. You know, not many countries in the world have that. So that was like, you know, it checked all those boxes for me. And yeah.
1: So for yeah. those listeners who are looking to move to another place, Ask myself it. <laughs> so, how about how it is to move to Canada?
2: That's so yeah, funny because I didn't even know I didn't even know about this stuff. Because <laughs> I oh, yeah. well like, I was born here, so I didn't, I don't even know like yeah like the immigration side. But I have heard though from my friends that it was pretty easy to immigrate compared to like yeah the U.S. And I was mm-hmm. like honestly U.S. Yeah I was I'm a, totally terrified of the guns there too. Like if I if I go to like Buffalo because Buffalo is like the border mm-hmm. between Toronto um which is like yeah, it's on the new york state mika so like yeah mm-hmm. when i go there i'm like oh my god i have put like bullet vest on and like watch where i'm going <laughs> is that bad
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> i don't think it's that bad but yeah. definitely in some states if you're for example if you're in the place like texas let's say for example you get into a road rate incident there's a high chance mm. someone will pull a pistol and you never know
2: uh, so like, yeah don't go like
0: you know don't go doing road rage in those kind of places like you might get shot or don't go trespassing someone else's land. You might get shot, so you gotta be careful.
2: It's yeah, it's definitely the safety. You you really have to pay
1: more close to your safety. You have to be more there. vigilant. Yeah. I see. hmm
2: For sure. But okay, yeah. No, thanks so much for sharing, for sharing that, Moshope. I think that's uh, it'll also help our listeners too if they are thinking of wanting to like move to Canada as well too. You provided really good insight. So the next question is. Because, yeah, obviously you're not, yeah, you are uh, not um, from here, from Canada, but you probably have experienced cultural shocks. So very curious to know what type of cultural shocks did you experience when you first moved here to Canada?
0: Oh, yeah. I have a couple of them, and, you know, right, I'm kind of thinking and reflecting on on that question. One thing that kind of struck me is in Canada, and, you know, Canada is kind of weird in a way that Canadians are nice, but people just kind of keep to themselves. So in my my first year working in, you know, before the pandemic, I used to go to the office every day and you're on the bus, you're on the train, everyone just sits down in one corner, pressing their phone. No one says a word to anyone. And it just feels weird. Like everyone is just on their phone. People like, you know, people are afraid to make eye contact. It was weird. Whereas in Nigeria, for example, I can say, hey, like, you know, see someone and all, and not even like, you know, you're being creepy and stuff. but you say, hey, like, you know, I like your book and all, and you check out a conversation with the person, and you move on mm. in canada if you walk up to someone and just say hi to them they're kind of looking at you like what do you want what do you want what do you Yeah, that kind of thing so it's really pretty, it's really pretty weird you understand I, I i think also to maybe it's a toronto thing now that i live, you know outside of toronto my neighbors i say hi to them wave like and all that also to like you know pets are a big thing over here like for example i can see you as a human being and not say hi to you but i see your pet and because of your pet we start you know bond and you know start to talk so i found that really very weird in nigeria like you know nigeria is a really very bubbly place everyone is very lively one thing i tell people over here is i leave my house alone right now and god forbid if anything happens to me and i happen to like pass on no one is gonna know because no one is gonna come check up on you but back when i was in nigeria if my neighbors Mm -hmm. don't see my car move for some days they'll be like yo are you alive are you still okay that kind of thing and you know there's a community is much more exactly it's much more nice like people you know check up on you do whatever and also yeah and also too, like you know another culture shock that kind of i'm trying to you know kind of think of what other thing was really cultural for me yeah definitely the working environment here is different and i think this is kind of also similar to japan in nigeria like you know there's a theme of respect like respect is a very big thing so your manager your boss like your boss like you know his word is yay amen and all that whereas Mm. in north america or in Canada. You can challenge your boss. You can speak back. You can ask questions. And, you know, people that immigrants that come into Canada have to adjust to that because, you know, back home in the working environment, if you basically do your work well, you kind of get promoted. You know, you don't. But over here, bragging about yourself, speaking about your work, all those things go very far. But, you know, coming from a background of humility and all, saying, oh, my God, you don't have to brag. Don't show, don't show yourself too much. Just do your work and go home. But over here, if you're not visible, if you don't speak up, if you don't say stuff, people will just think you're not doing anything. So, yeah, those are some of the culture shocks that I had. I can't remember much right now, but that was pretty interesting for me.
2: That's so interesting. Yeah, when you were mentioning about, like, your personal life culturally, how, like, people, Mm -hmm. like, stick to themselves in in Toronto. And, yeah, like, I I totally agree with that. I think I'm also... To blame as well. Um, With some, some people have come up to have come up to me, and I have also given them the dirty look. Like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> I think I've also contributed to that as well. But uh, but in like I I know like Mika right in Tokyo, it's the same. Like no one talks, and if you talk to someone, yeah. people are going to be like, why yeah. are you talking to me? I've encountered people approaching
1: me as well, but it's mostly um, older people. <laughs> to my surprise mm-hmm. and usually whenever i tell the story they, they're also surprised because it's old ladies like for example if they see me and they're like what i'm wearing the old ladies will approach me hey i like your dress and all that mm-hmm. but but you know like if it's for example another guy trying to approach me outside it's gonna come across as weird of course like like what are you after <laughs>
0: exactly and you know it's kind of kind of add to this as a day i was in the bus and there was traffic and i saw mm. these two ladies one of them she's of asian asian descent uh, I, I don't know where in asia she's from but that person is most like caribbean and all, all throughout right. that like, they sat close to each other and something happened and the two of them got talking and they talked all the way from you know where we were like you know like for like 15 minutes to where the bus stop was And you could see, like, from me observing their communication, because I'm just that kind of person that I'm not going to, I stare at everybody, like looking at everybody, (laughs) but I could see them, like, you know, it was a very good conversation. Like, you know, the woman said, oh my God, you know what? Let's keep in touch. Can I have your number? Most likely this person might feel isolated and just talking to a stranger Mm. and just being able to share was just something breathtaking for her. And, you know, the top of them were commenting that, you know, they don't usually do this, but it was just very nice to do that. So.
1: Yeah, like I also kind of relate when you said that in, for example, in Nigeria, like people like check up on you and mm-hmm. and there's a sense of community because where I come from, I come from the Philippines. Oh, nice. That's also kind of a thing where we have this saying in the Philippines where you can't really keep a secret in the Philippines because <laughs> everyone will eventually find out because <laughs> everyone is just like so well connected and it's so easy to, to make friends and approach people. And so I, I imagine that's kind of the same thing as well in Nigeria.
0: Yep, it is. It is.
2: You guys, it's the it's ho- it's the, it's the climate, I swear. Hot climate. People are nervous. <laughs> cool. yeah. Yeah. There's something we, in the tropical. <laughs> <why> <laughs> we're not. We're,
1: we're cold. Literally. Exactly. Our hearts exactly. are cold. Exactly. Yeah, but then. You know, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I wanted to say, like, you know, when people then leave North America and travel to, like, you know, like a Mexico, like a Thailand they're all over the place bubbly like you know everybody's partying and having fun mm. but as soon as you just enter like you know from the plane once you land in Canada or wherever boom you are on your own I'm like nah
1: <laughs> like really environment is a big factor to it depending on the environment it's going to affect how people behave so it's not really just culture but I think it has something to do with the actual environment as well that's interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: I was also having this conversation with a friend before. I was like, you know what? People from like hot countries, they're so much more nicer and so much more fun. People from cold countries, it's not even just Canada, even like, I don't know, like Switzerland, like Norway. It's the same. Everyone's like so mean. Just think LA (laughs) and New York. (laughs) I know. Right? It's so true. It's so, yeah, it's so true. But, but, and then another thing that you said, Moshope, about in terms of work, like the different work culture from like Mm. Nigeria and Canada I also totally agree to how like in Canada, like we have to like be visible, like be loud and speak up and like build like your like personal brand uh, for visibility, because that's going to get your per- promotion. And I remember like in Japan, it's, I, it's very similar to what you were explaining in Nigeria. It's like um, respect, the respect level. And I remember mm-hmm. like in Japan, that was a thing that I struggled with. I was always like talking back to my boss and my boss hated it. He was just mm. like, and people were like, "Why don't you just listen?" I'm like, "Because it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> just because he's boss, <laughs> it just like, why do we have to follow?" So, I like, I have been told that I was very outspoken in Japan, so I, can't, I I did have to tone it down my personality and just listen to like the higher ups, which was very difficult for me. But mm. yeah, I I totally see that. And I was talking to Mika about this. I'm like, it. You know what? I'm like torn between the work culture here. Here in Toronto, where like we have mm. to like speak up and like be loud, but then like um, when I was working in Japan, I wasn't allowed to do that. So like I had it was such a struggle. Like for you, like how were you able to adjust to that difference?
0: Oh yeah, so for me, it was kind of it was kind of easy to adjust to, to that difference, and that's where like you know the power of networking comes in. Like you know, speaking to people, I you know I'm, I'm I, my goal when I came to Canada because when I moved here, now I have more my friends have moved to Canada. But then I had to, I came like fresh I only leaning like one or two people I had to build my friendship from the start, so building my fresh like you know having community speaking with people and all that I got to realize oh this is how things work over here, and then like you know having one of my managers at work they'll tell you those things so it was kind of it was it, it wasn't it was easy for me to adapt. but you know there are still times where I'm just like oh you know do i do I have to like do this presentation and put myself out there and do stuff but just have to do it so I think what really helped me was like you know speaking with other people that have been here and sort of community networking other designers other nigerians that are working here they'll tell you like hey do xyz in the workplace and all that so that's how i got to quickly blend in and ramp up with the environment and with the work culture
2: true okay no that was that's smart sometimes like yeah you just have to like do what the romans <laughs> <Exactly>. do <laughs> in Rome. all right i hope like yeah that's totally like um like a cultural difference that I'm sure like a lot of us have experienced, especially someone that has has moved to Canada. I've also heard them complain about like, yeah, like they don't want to speak up because they're not used to it and to challenge their boss. it's a yeah, it's a very difficult place to be um, if you're not from that a culture like that before. So hopefully like, yeah, that we can in the future, like we'll able to work around how to work with different cultures, because it is important because Canada has a lot of like foreigners now. So we all need to like kind of know like the differences of where we come from. Okay, so I can move on. Let's move on to the next question. So me and Mika, we've noticed that there's, like, quite a lot of um, talented designers in Nigeria. Uh, Mika, who is also a mentor at ADP List, she also mentors some Nigerian designers as well, too. So we were, like, really curious, what's the tech industry like there and working as a designer in Nigeria?
0: Okay, that's a very good question. It's very good, like, you know, Mika is also on ADP List. Like, you know, ADP is an amazing community. You know, I volunteer for ADP List, too, and I mentor also an EDP list and in 2019 when i was in nigeria and now the tech industry in nigeria has really grown a whole lot and you know there's mm. a saying that you know i really like its brilliance is evenly distributed but opportunity is not so you have all these brilliant people that don't have the opportunity but you know thanks to like remote work lots of information being available like you know i think the pandemic just made people, a lot of people share content and create more content because you know we couldn't go out now there's a lot of knowledge out there and people like, you know, kind of growing. So the design industry in Nigeria is growing. It definitely can be very better. I've seen like from some of my mentees and some of my, you know, some of my other colleagues, former colleagues that are still in Nigeria, you know, lots of companies are now adopting the right design processes. Before in Nigeria, like, you know, when I started designing, like, of course, there wasn't anything like UX design or product design. It was just, you had a graphic graphic designer and web designer and you're kind of juggling two of them like, and all that. But now companies are really investing into the right process, like having research, doing visual design and all. And, you know, I know lots of designers are really, Nigerians are really very talented. And one thing is we Nigerians are really very diligent in what we do. So it's really very interesting because it's really growing. Lots of companies, a lot of companies in Nigeria are adopting like, you know, best design practices. And we also have lots of Nigerians that are then looking for remote opportunities because they want to be able to like, you know, you want to compete on a global scale and not just in a local scale. So, Being able to work like, you know, for foreign countries and take that knowledge and bring it back into the Nigerian ecosystem is how things Mm -hmm. would really, really grow. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. When I was working there back then, it was, it was still like, you know, bubbling and growing, but now like content, they're even like in the content designers now, they're researchers, the product designers, the UX designers, like we didn't have all those things back then. It was just mainly UX design and web designer and graphic design. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
1: From what I'm hearing, it seems like it's becoming specialized in Nigeria. And as Lori mentioned, so I mentored a Nigerian. Well, actually, he's not a designer. He's a company owner, but he's Mm -hmm. become interested in uh, design thinking and uh, visual design as well. And so I found it interesting that uh, someone in that position is now very open into uh, learning about design. And I'm wondering, you mentioned that there's this huge pool of talented designers in Nigeria. So I'm wondering is is it uh, also there are more people trying to innovate, meaning like trying to start their own thing, or are designers there becoming more entrepreneurial as well in terms of like starting their own product or making something themselves and not just like looking for better employment or companies that are trying to be more user centric?
0: Oh, yeah. I think it's a mix of both. You know, you have people looking for better employment and you have people that are also creating amazing companies. The fintech space in Africa and Nigeria in particular is one place that's really very growing. Crypto, blockchain, Mm. Web3 and all. It's really, really growing in those environments. And one of the reasons why, like, you know, fintech and co-grows is like over here in North America or like developed nations, you have proper financial systems, credit cards and Mm. all that stuff. In Nigeria, you don't have any of those. You know, how, you know, and people are creating their own solutions to be able to process payments. One very innovative thing that, for example, in Kenya, there's the M-Pesa. And it's a it's a way people make transactions just using your mobile phone and SMS. Mm-hmm. You understand? And the reason why that came as a solution was because people didn't, like, unlike here where you have 5G and then we're just streaming and downloading right. stuff. Mm-hmm. People still use feature phones. I don't know if you know all those phones of maybe, like, back then they have T9s and you have to, like, press click exactly all those like you know black and white phones and all that a lot of people are okay. using so an easy way to pay was just your mobile phone you send a text message and you transfer money and things move mm. so the necessity is to that innovation so you have people that are creating like you know amazing solutions in the continent and also have people that are looking for hey like i'm looking for better opportunities i want to better myself i you know maybe want to relocate from nigeria move to another place to live and you know learn the culture so mm. it's a very good mix of both
1: Awesome! That's so cool. Yeah, amazing that you mentioned fintech as well, because that's the same thing happening in the Philippines. I I went back to the Philippines just a few months back, and then all of my friends they said they, I don't have money with me right now. I'm just transacting through this app. I'm like, oh my god, because <laughs> Japan is still very much a cash based society. Yes. Like Japan is pretty high tech, but at least on that front, most people are still opting for um cash based transactions. But I was so surprised in the Philippines when I came back. Like everyone is just transacting through this app no one's carrying their wallets anymore with them so it was pretty amazing so i think it it has something to do with also the landscape of the place being more open to innovation because of like all these problems occurring and people are more eager to adapt new ways of doing things so i guess the same thing goes in in
2: nigeria as well
0: yep exactly you know necessity is the mother of invention so
1: yeah
2: I was always curious, to, yeah, like of the tech space there, because Western media, they don't really talk about what's the tech space in Africa, like you you always hear about like Europe or even like Asia. And then I'm always shocked when they always highlight Japan, because I'm like, I see Japan as not high tech at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they still use fax machines, okay, and you still need to sign with a stamp, you they still have a lot of paperwork. So I always am like baffled when people are putting Japan on a pestil- pedestal for high tech, because I don't. I don't think it's <laughs> as high tech. It's <laughs> kind of a mix of both. You know, it, it's modern, but at the same time, they're
1: still retaining these traditional ways of doing things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Like you have to, Mashapa, you have to come to Japan to see you for yourself.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, I have to come. And you know, one thing like you know, and you know, in within Africa, and all the infrastructure is not there. For example, we don't have like you know the high. Speed rails. some parts of Africa, like, you know, mm. don't even have, like, good water, electricity, and all that. And without those things, you can't advance as much. But the truth about it is, you know, in terms of talent, there's very good talent in Africa, in Nigeria, and all those countries. And then people, like, you know, uh, like, for example, countries like Canada want to ramp up their immigration process to bring in more immigrants because it's the immigrants mm. are actually doing the work and making things way better. You understand? Like, you know, coming in, putting in the hours, paying the taxes, and growing the system so yeah like you know that talent is over there and you have many brilliant people from like different countries and all. So
2: yeah awesome yeah no hopefully we will hear more about like the talent that's in like in nigeria and in africa as well too because mm-hmm. uh like my i know like my friend uh she's uh she's japanese and she works as a venture capitalist in tokyo and she actually works for a company where they they may they are doing yeah venture capital Capitalists in um, African countries. So, like, mm. she'll uh, work with startups there, mostly in like, she'll go to like Egypt and in Kenya, those two uh, countries, um, like every few months, uh, just to like work with like startups there. And yeah, she was also amazed at like the level of innovations that they have in Africa, because Japan is actually investing a lot in, um, in African startups. And I'm kind of jealous that she gets to go and live in these <laughs> countries. Like she'll go to like, like, she's in Cairo right now, and she'll nice. stay for like a month. And then she'll, she'll have to go to Nairobi in December, too. So yeah, I'm also I'm like, super jealous of this. Like, <laughs> this type Uh, of job
0: you're stuck in the cold in Canada
2: (laughs) I know that's okay Yeah, I'm down for like anything that's like not cold right now even (laughs) like (laughs) even in Japan it's not even that cold but it's still like not hot (laughs) Mm -hmm. right now but yeah we can move on to the next question Okay, so in Canada, this is what I have heard from other foreigners living there, they were complaining about this like Canadian experience. So what this Canadian experience means is that in order when they apply for a job, and then they get an interview, and then they are rejected because they're like, Oh, we don't see your experience in in Canada. So we cannot like proceed, I don't know, to the next interview, for example, but their experience is still relevant in that in that different country. I was just wondering, like, has this experience has um, happened to you while you were job hunting in Toronto? And how how are you able to, like, I guess, sell your foreign work experience when you were looking for your, like, first product design job here in Toronto? Okay.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. and um, It's really very sad that, like, you know, we have things that people saying, oh, the of experience, because you have these amazing talents. I mean, you know, imagine someone working for 13 years as a, like, you know, in a particular field and you come and say, oh, you did have the kinda experience. But when you actually start working, you realize that there's nothing really special about the Canadian experience. It's not special. You understand? It's also really very sad that you have people that are specialists, for example, maybe doctors and code have been you know practicing for a while and all, they move here and the process of having to get into the healthcare system is so hard that many of them give up. And that's why most of our I, I I I I don't know for a fact, but that's why many of our hospitals right now, like you know, you have lots of wait times, backlogs and all that stuff. Now, one, you know, in my experience, like so like I'll talk about my experience, but how, and this is my opinion, how I see when people say the Canadian experience stuff is they see you as an immigrant and they're like, oh, we don't want the immigrant. We want somebody else. And to, because they don't want to say, oh, we don't want you because maybe your name sounds foreign or something. They'll say, hey, you don't have the Canadian experience. Now, one thing also too is Canadian experience, they mean that can you, so you know, you know I mentioned for example, like, you know, the different culture shocks in terms of work and all that. Can mm-hmm. you blend into the workspace as mm. the way Canadians do? Now, when I was in, when I worked in Nigeria, like, you know, I had the opportunity of working with a company and it was, you know, it was a, it was a global company. They had offices in North America, in parts of Africa. So I was used to like, you know, communicating with people from, that are not from my, my background at all. So in my mentoring experience, when you put land over here, I tell them, look, the myth is people come and say, oh, when you come to Canada, because of the Canadian experience, you have to start from the ground and work your way up. And I'm like, no, that's wrong. It's possible for you to pick up from the level that you're in, but you have to prep. Now, in my experience, like I haven't really applied for a job since I came to Canada. Most of all the offers I've got, like you know, came to me when I moved to Canada. I realized that I didn't have the right design, you know, kind of learned design the funky way. So I took a boot camp here, like you know, use that to level up, and you know, since then, like you know, it's been offers upon offers upon offers that have been coming in. So what I do for like you know, some of my friends that move here, some of my mentees is I tell, hey, when people say Canadian experience, it's basically you have to be able to relate and speak the way they speak you have to be able to communicate and sell yourself that way so when you do that like you know no matter who is interviewing you if you are like the top candidate will be like hey i want this guy i want this person on my team because this person can do what i want now the tech industry is different finance and co might be finance is usually more formal and rigorous so it may be tougher but what i've told people to do is like start speaking with people that are in the system and you know start practicing like you know do practice interviews and all that mm-hmm. stuff for example some simple things that like this is a very simple thing like when you're on a call with somebody you say oh my god i, I the, the interview i was in i was speaking with the person his dog walked in and like, oh my god i love your dog i we mean, kind of like bonnet over his dog like <laughs> it was, oh my god talking about that like pets and everything and you know things like that like where, where you come from in nigeria you just go straight to the point i'm here for business i go there's nothing mm-hmm. you don't have that personal side like oh my god and you talk about your partners or your like you know your weekend mm-hmm. those things like by talking to other people like you know you kind of learn and it then feels as if you've been in canada all along so they'll just be like oh this person is very good i think at the meetings this person can speak up this person can do stuff let's hire him and it's it's mostly worked for like some of the people that have mentored and all so yeah
2: Okay, no, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, like, to be honest, just to go back to what you said, but mm-hmm. the special Canadian experience, honestly, there's nothing special about it. I personally didn't have that much Canadian experience because my whole work experience was in Japan. So, if anything, yeah, I don't know what special is about this. So, Mika, <laughs> yeah, like, it's nothing special, <laughs> FYI. Got it. <laughs> exactly. If anything, I had part-time jobs in Canada, like, before. <laughs> so, but, yeah, literally, I... There was, yeah, nothing special to go about. But I was also hearing this, yeah, from friends, that were not from, like, that were Mm. foreigners, and they were getting um, a bit demoralized about this Canadian experience. And it just made me felt like, oh, my God, this is total discrimination because, like, no other country does this. Even Japan, like, Japan never really discriminated on us, really, for this Japan experience. Maybe the language, but other than that, Mm. like, if anything, our experience, our foreign experience kind of, Gave us an advantage there <laughs> in Japan. Exactly.
1: Yeah, actually. And they like mm-hmm. can speak
0: English too. Like, you know, they'll just be like, oh, like, you know, if you have any English stuff. And I've had cases of people hear that, you know, they had to change their name from their traditional name to maybe an like English name. Oh. Because, yeah, someone did an experiment and he he has an English last name, but his first name is like, you know, the traditional name. And he applied to the same companies with his first resume, with his whatever name, and the other one with his English name. And his English name mm. got interviews; his other one didn't.
2: Oh, oh. Yeah. those things happen. You understand? And yeah.
0: Yeah. So people do that. They, they, like, I for for me, like, you know, I don't have an English name, and I'm not going to get an English name. Like, this is my name. You know, this is how it is. And because I believe in diversity, I believe in inclusion, I believe, I believe in equity. So
2: yeah.
1: There are biases. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly, for sure. Yeah. I don't have an which English kind of, name too. My name <laughs> which is. Which kind Lynch.
1: of makes <laughs> me the, Isn't it that there are companies now that they use AI to hire people? They they screen resumes through AI?
0: AI, the AI screening is first of all to see if your resume, like the keywords and everything, if it matches what we're looking for in the first place. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the decision to make an interview is always with a person, either the recruiter or the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't speak for other firms. I, I know like, you know, about tech, but like, you know, someone will review that resume, either review a portfolio and whatever and say, hey, I want to speak to this person.
1: That's mm-hmm. how it is. So there's always a mm-hmm. the human factor there. Hmm. So that bias never really disappears. I guess at some yeah. point. Yeah. That's,
2: yeah. At some point. Yeah. It's. I think. Yeah. I think what you. Yeah. What Mister Chope was saying. I. It totally is true. It's like, oh, the Kenny experience. It's just a nicer way of saying, oh, immigrant. But then, but then, what you said about like bonding over like the interviewer I I I totally agree I think that totally helps and when you said like you were talking about someone's dog but and (laughs) I can't help (laughs) it because I I have a dog too and if someone (laughs) and if someone compliments my dog it's like whoa instant friend (laughs) he's my friend (laughs) right there and I have all this is like off topic but I have noticed when I walk my dog down the street um people are so much more nicer to me than if I was walking alone (laughs) We, we dog is a big factor we it's love pet exactly. yeah
0: oh yeah pets are like you know like pets are a very big thing about right? people love their pets and all that so yeah those those things like
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: good conversation starter like <laughs> <laughs> establishing rapport with
2: your pet yeah i think that's a good thing to say yeah i think it's definitely the rapport maybe if mm. maybe there's kind of is like sad in a way that we have to Act, like We're still acting like this in Canada because they're known globally as like multicultural, mm-hmm. but they're still, yeah, obviously like problems and like biases and stuff. But the rapport is definitely, yeah, it really does help. And honestly, yeah, I don't, I even think many of the immigrants or the foreigners that I've worked with here in Canada, they were super like open-minded and they were willing to learn and they could adapt easily too in their Mm. in this situation and it just reminded me like yeah back when i was in japan literally i was just trying to like watch and observe what everyone was doing in the office and then i just followed along (laughs) too (laughs) like i wasn't as like i know in japan i definitely toned down my personality like i was more chilled in japan and more quiet because i wanted i didn't want to (laughs) like say anything (laughs) to offend them and then here i'm like have no filter (laughs) so yeah i think yeah it's definitely the um They are definitely more able to adapt and then they have like different perspective on on work. And in tech, you need that because if we have like the same perspective, we're all going to be like the same and designing for the same, (laughs) having the same people designing. (laughs) And that's kind of like boring. Yeah. So, um, okay, I well, I'll move on to the next question then. Uh, I think we might've talked about this uh, before earlier, but I just wanted to just more talk about specifically this topic. Uh, what has your experience been like right now working with different cultures as a product designer here in Toronto?
0: I think it's really very important. And even when like in my previous role, when I was like, you know, hiring for jobs and all, I just look for a cultural ad instead of cultural fit. I don't want someone like, you know, that comes in and just fits in, like, you know, bring something new to the table, and the good thing about working with people from multi- different cultures, you know, immigrants, Canadians that have been here is you get to learn new things. You get to see new perspectives. There's something like there's, in term, for example, in content writing, there's other interna- globalization in writing. Something, there's a way I'll say something that it means, it means something to me. And over here, someone else sees that something different. For example, because like, you know, we, you know, the British colonized colonized Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and back then we learned the Queen's English and all. I used to use idioms when I'm speaking. So like, in, oh, the stage of time saves nine. Make hay while the sun shines. And you say those things and people are wondering, what are you saying? It just means like, you know, make hay while the sun shines. Like, you know, do something at the right time and all that. you get. And people don't know any of these idioms. So you get to work with different people and different perspectives and you get to see how things are. And I think that kind of shapes your way because people are in product design, people are put design differently. Their mental models are different depending on where they're coming from, their background. So how you explain the thing, like, you know, the kind of imagery you'll use in like this primary feature and all that, it really, it really like is really very important. So that's how like, you know, it's been for me working with different cultures. And also too, like, because as product designers, Part of a huge part of our job that people don't even know it is, is the communicating, the selling of design, and you know, speaking of on, and all of that. So by learning how different post cultures, for example, like most, um, there's a notion over there. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not the right one. And you know, pardon me for this, but people feel like, oh, when you see an Asian woman, she's supposed to be quiet. She's supposed to be dead and that. Now you be, once then get to meet, we see, oh, like some people are just naturally quiet, which is fine. Whereas some people are also very open too. You understand so you kind of crush all those all those notions you've had before and you know by interacting with people and you know you kind of remove your biases so yeah that's how it's been for me like with different cultures and i keep trying to learn like new cultures like you know for example phrases in japanese and in Philippi- in the philippine in tagalog and all that so yeah interesting
1: it's nice that you mentioned about the cultural ad in, instead of cultural fit. So is that becoming like a trend that companies are looking for? Because I usually come across the culture fit because sometimes in, for example, in the recruitment process of some companies, they have this interview dedicated to that to understand if you're going to be a fit to their company culture. And then you mentioned about the culture ad. Is that something that's becoming more of a thing in Canada or even in Nigeria as what companies are looking out for now instead of just the fit in the company culture
0: yeah i think it depends on the company you are working for and depend on who the hiring manager Mm -hmm. is but when like if this this is my own view and perspective when i'm looking for like in a new person and all if someone comes in and just fits right in it's pretty good but then we don't get to have the diversity of ideas there are times and i've been in very difficult meetings where we had clashing ideas like clashing ideas where everybody was just kind of freaking out and all that but thanks to those very difficult conversations thanks to those that, that you know that sharp change your perspective we're able to sit back mm. and kind of like innovate so we need those things sometimes if everybody if you kind of fit and then you're just all thinking the same way doing things the same way
1: mm. you sometimes
0: can't challenge us cool and say hey guys let's take things back and break it down and redo this thing maybe this is not how we should be doing stuff so yeah
1: Cool. Like, if I may follow up on my question, I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. For example, whether it's in Meta or another company that you worked for in the past, um, how did you bring your own like Nigerian flavor into your product design process? Or for example, was there an instance where you think that, oh, my background uh, working in Nigeria came in handy for this particular task or project?
0: Okay, that's, that, that's really very interesting. I have two examples I want to give. Now, in, in the boot camp I did, I worked on this amazing product and all that, and people saw the product and oh my god, like this doesn't look Africanish. And I'm like, what? What does? What does? Sorry, I don't (laughs) understand. What does that mean? Like, do you think it's supposed to be seen like African patterns because it's a Nigerian? And I'm like, yo, people in this, people in people use global products, use Instagram, use water. They know what is good design, like. But Mm. this is for a specific niche and industry, and you know this this works great. Now in my, in my different workspaces and, and, and all that, like I, as a Nigerian person, like we Nigerians, like, we are very, like, we are bold people. Like, you know, we say our mind, sometimes it can be a bit loud, although I don't, I don't, I'm not a loud person, but we say our mind, we are very bold. And I'm that kind of person. Like I have a very quiet personality, at work and everything, but when it's time to hit the nail on the head, I do my best to just hit it, you know, say it as it is. Like, I'm not quoting words and, you know, like over here so people can be very, you know, want to give feedback and you know, you kind of dance around with whatever. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be very direct, and for me, the most direct quote I've seen before, if you've worked with someone that is a German before, they don't mean words, they hit it on the head. This is it. And, you know, for me, I, I feel, I usually find that really much helpful. Tell me as it is, don't try to dance around and say something mm-hmm. very nice, then put the insults in between, then say something nice. <laughs> Tell me, say it, say it to my face, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Also, too, like, you know, you know, I can't remember a particular example now, but there are meetings, like you know, where, for example, as we're making design decisions, I'm like, if we're designing a global product or a product that lots of people are using, for example, in content rights and all that, I kind of bring them back to say, "Hey, what does this mean?" Mm. I so I I kind of know what it means, but I'm like, instead of using ambiguous words that no one really relates to a context, like let's use a term that people might be able to understand. So you know, having those people, and you know, I also have some of my colleagues who like you know, they are some like from people from, from India and all that, like how they relate really to things, how they think things is kind of different. So it really helps in like design patterns. But now I work on a very global product. and I have to ensure that our design patterns work across the board. So yeah, it's very interesting. And to bring that idea, like, you know, from Nigeria. And sometimes too, I tell people like, hey, in North America, everybody uses an iPhone or almost an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Once you leave North America, mm-hmm. everybody else uses Android. So if you, you know, if your own premium experience is the Apple experience, you're not going to say that anywhere, like, People don't use this thing. So yeah, you have to also factor in like, you know, what are the what is the experience on Android? You know, what is the experience? Like for example, when design when you build websites, does the site mm. load fast enough? You understand? Because in other countries where they don't have very good internet and I've you know been there before, you can't have all these fancy, big, glamorous designs that no one can open and load. So yeah.
1: I guess like if you're gonna make a global product, then you need a global team for sure. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh Plus, to have a group that is um, like coming from different places and different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. cool. Mm I
2: didn't even think about like yeah, when you said about the iPhones and like the loading time for internet. I guess uh, part (laughs) of me, I guess, because I'm yeah, I do admit I am from I am living in a very privileged space, so I just never occurred to me about that. If someone in a different country, if they have to, yeah, the loading time for it, that's like yeah, that is something that. you would have to factor for a global product too Mm -hmm. and then yeah the and the android too i i'm i was also like yeah because also shocked as well because i know in japan also is a very heavy iphone user as well too like like almost like everyone has an iphone there Mm -hmm. but then like yeah like other countries when you go they will all they will use android so like um i remember like yeah like i was in i was in korea even and because of samsung like everyone there had a samsung and it, yeah <laughs> like i'm not kidding like everyone there they're so prideful of their <laughs> of awesome. their products and it just occurred to me like wow like yeah like we also have to uh, take account for like a majority of the world is using android and a very small um very small population of countries are using iphone so there's something that i never even even thought of and then, yeah, like I'm mean, also what you mentioned of like, yeah, like working um, with different cultures, it just kind of makes you more open minded. And I remember speaking to you about that, but I totally agree with that because in like I was working in Japan and like uh, Mika can say the same too, because tech there is like very, uh, there's a lot of foreigners working in tech in Japan. Just like, yeah, working with different cultures, I never would have like interacted with them in my, I guess, in my social life until like I was at work. I I can totally relate to you. how like yeah, talking to Germans because I worked with Germans in Japan, and yeah, they were super straightforward. And to be honest, I was kind of scared of them <laughs> to talk to them. <laughs> so, so like I, I I felt I don't know if you had to do this, but I had to definitely alter my tone of how I spoke to them. Like I think I had to be more upfront with them. But then with like Japanese people, because Japanese people they don't like they don't like straightforward and up and being upfront. You literally have to like. It's even worse than in Canada. You really have to dance around like the topic you oh. want to say, like because Japanese people, it's all about like implying what you're saying when you speak to Japanese people, because you cannot, yeah. yeah, you cannot say it directly to them because it's going to come off as too is very rude and you're just yeah. going to upset them. Like <laughs> they have
1: this culture called the kuki oyomu. I think that's yeah. the the phrase where it literally means like read the atmosphere. Th- they will not tell it to you straight. They're it's like up to you to read between what they're saying yeah and I, i've had that experience firsthand as well in a in a previous employment where my colleague he was telling me uh you need to revise this you need to revise this but he was saying it in a way that he was pretty much like dancing around it too like he was oh yeah i like what you did this but maybe would it would it be better if you did this blah blah, blah. and i'm like I know what you're trying to tell me. You're just you just pretty much want me to change it. Like just tell me that you want me to change it. <laughs> but yeah, like they I guess it's part of like they don't want to not necessarily they don't want to be direct, but more like they want to be diplomatic about yeah. giving feedback and and they don't want to come across as rude, I guess. It works for some but for people who are pretty assertive and are straight to the point maybe that's not gonna be as effective mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah there's definitely like a difference there mm-hmm. i guess in western and like a uh, japanese approach of like, giving critiques and all that
2: mm-hmm. yeah i know that i know yeah from like my experience it yeah literally i think i had more trouble speaking to japanese people more than like, uh, like Western, like you're even like Europeans as well. It was just like, I, it was just me overthinking of like, how can I say it in a way that they won't get offended <laughs> by me or I won't get in trouble. Um, but I also have I've also experienced when you said Nigerians were very straightforward. I have also experienced Yeah, very straightforward Nigerians and it came and for me, I was like, wow, this is too like, I I, I did Makes take sense. offense sometimes. <laughs> But then I got used to I got used to their um yeah how they interacted and then I just kind of like adapted to it so literally yeah I just literally had to change my person I feel like I was changing my personality sometimes with different cultures it's like when you're speaking
1: another language like for example for me like if I'm speaking of course in my my mother tongue like I I'm very direct, I'm very opinionated. And then when I speak in English, I kind of am still like that in a in sense, but I'm just like more limited in terms of my vocabulary, of course. Mm-hmm. And then when I speak in Japanese, I become like super like shy or whatever. It's like you put on a different hat every time you try to speak another language. So maybe for Mashope, that's also the same way when you're speaking yeah. in English versus your native language.
0: Yeah, for me, like, okay, like, I speak English, I speak, so, my English, I have been speaking English as I was, like, young and everything. With English and all, like, you know, just in a um, Nigerian niche, whatever, but if I'm speaking my local dialect Yoruba, don't I'm in North America, I've not, I, I speak with my people back home, but there's no one else to speak around me, because, like, mm-hmm. you know, what am I speaking my Yor- Yoruba with? So, you know, yeah, like, like you mentioned, because inside of your brain is processing the information, so like, mm. you know, for example, if you're like, you know, if you're learning speaking Japan and you're thinking about it, then you know, speaking it. So you basically have a personality for each of your languages. So yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I did, yeah. I felt I felt myself a bit more nicer <laughs> when it, <laughs> when I was with, in in Japan. And then I think here I became a bit more a bit more mean <laughs> when I moved back. <laughs> like the, the meanness depends on the, the mode of language. I think I think yeah. I feel <laughs> because i feel like if i was more straightforward in japan i honestly i would feel so bad and i have i have been actually straightforward in japan and i just felt so guilty so literally yeah i had to tone down i had really had to tone down. More. but you have the the foreigner cars be- <laughs> that's true yeah in japan yeah if we were if we made a mistake in japan we literally mm-hmm. would just be like oh i'm a foreigner and then they would be like oh, okay you get the pass <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah, if they see, exa- see me they'll know that this person is not from around here just like
1: yeah so they're more lenient towards uh foreigners uh, Mm -hmm. i think think (laughs) they're more lenient (laughs) to foreigners
2: in japan than they are here in canada in canada we expect (laughs) you to act like us we're like you should act like us right now yeah (laughs) so moving on to the um, to the next question did you find any challenges like or similarities or any differences um when you were like designing for users in canada or u.s compared to when you were designing for users in Nigeria?
0: That's a very good question. Not really. Not really because they're two sides. So most of the things I've worked on, like, you know, technology company over here and all, they've all been, like, you know, kind of international products. So they've really been very interesting. And I would say Nigerians are very, like, you know, we're very out there and very open. Unless we are designing a very, you know, traditional product for, like, you know, people that are uneducated and all that, but Nigerians are very like, you know, up to, you know, up to the tune. They know what is happening out there. So you are not trying to make things that can maybe like reduce it for their quality. Like people use all global applications out there. So, and also to if you want to applicate your products to be, to feel like, you know, value and crisp, the closer you make it to what is international standard, the better for you. You understand? So for me, th- mm. that, that wasn't you know, really a challenge. But definitely, one has to in if you are designing a Nigerian product, for example, you need to understand the context. Like you know, who are people using the product? Like you know, the kind of way you talk about it, you design it. Like you know, you kind of market the product and all. It is very you know for like very local scenarios and all that. So in terms of the tone, like you know, imagery and all that, you know, of course, really, really very important. For example, in Nigeria, you have less foreigners, so you can design an application that only has black people, for example. If you are doing like images. If you're in Canada, you have to like, you know, of course diversity like, and and and, mm-hmm. and all and all. So yeah, that's you know how my experience has been. There hasn't really been much of also too like you know, I know like in Canada, of course, Nigeria I can easily design for Nigeria because I'm Nigerian. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the system. In Canada, you also have to understand like you know, the history of everything, like and it's a very much more diverse environment. So some things might fly here, like you know, some things might not fly over there. So for example, you know, you have to relearn some words, some terms that you might use, you know, it might be derogatory or offensive, and you don't want to be offensive. So you have to kind of relearn and ensure that you you know you're saying the right thing, like you know and all. So yeah.
2: Okay. I think Mika, yeah. this was so different in in Japan. <laughs> in Japan it's a it's a different story here. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you're saying you are oh, Yeah, it is
0: exactly, it is very different. And I wanted to also add to like for you know, like In China, for example, if you are designing a product in China, it is very, very, very different. Like, one thing I know is that the color red is like, you know, at least from what I know, it's a a, a good thing. So you find Mm. most of their products, their websites, red everywhere. Whereas over here or in Nigeria, red is like a danger color. So you tone down the reds. But in China, like the visual style, red, shouty, you know, that's like how it is. So you have to be able to learn like, you know, that's what it is. Also too, in Canada maybe not now but i know some buildings don't have certain numbers like you know maybe 13 or something like you don't have a certain number so also i know in china too, so like specific numbers you can't use them because of like you know the traditions and the beliefs and all that oh uh, so,
1: yeah.
0: yeah exactly so i'm sure japan would have something very similar to where they have those beliefs and like, you have to kind of learn how like you know how japanese are the people are mm. to design for them
1: for sure for sure Like, there's a reason why a lot of Japanese websites, they have this, like, traditional layout where, to the western eye, I guess, it looks super cluttered. But for Japanese people, like, it's okay for them because they can find everything that they need because... For I think for Western standards we have what we call progressive disclosure, right? When it comes yep, to like yep, yep. like showing information in a in an interface. But for um Japanese audience, they usually like everything laid out for them. And mm-hmm. so for the most part, if you check, for example, retail websites, Japan-based retail websites, you're gonna see like a lot of information and like all the promos are gonna be like flashing across the screen. And everything it looks like everything is trying to catch your attention, but it's actually pretty standard to the to the Japanese mm-hmm. audience. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting. Um but I think there's there's also a shift happening too because like Lori mentioned, there there's a lot of foreign tech people working here in particularly in Tokyo. And I think there's a shift going on where it's becoming more standardized internationally when it comes to like the design of the websites and the apps here. I already see it kind of happening in some of the companies, especially companies that are trying to be more international. So yeah, there's definitely um something to look out for in terms of the design aesthetics coming out here in, in Japan.
2: Yeah, like not gonna lie, when I was there, I was... Ashley did not like the websites at all in Japan. They were super <laughs> flashy, and I kind of got lost and confused with all the information. I was super overwhelmed with it, and I would and I had to take a break. I was like, okay, let me take like a break, because. Like, uh, but then, yeah, like what Miku was saying, it's true. They love all the information on there because they like taking their time to, um, yeah, to dissect the information. Whereas, like us, I guess Western people, we're like impatient we just want to get straight to the point but yeah Japanese people really want to take their time I think it's part of their culture because then it's like less with interaction with people so you don't have to ask like call call center and help and ask for help because usually everything is laid out in Japan so you don't even have to ask for help Everyone yeah. just finds things on their own, like subways, for instance, maps. You don't really have to ask, yeah, for help because everything's just laid out beautifully. Whereas here, I'm gonna speak to Toronto, for instance, you literally have to ask for help because mm. things are not laid out. And I, I think mean, they really yeah.
1: yeah. they really like to explain things to you like as much as possible. So for example, there there are websites where the call to actually be to learn more, for example, learn more. And then when you click on learn more, it will literally take you to a PDF that you can download and then uh, that that pdf will have everything like all the faqs all the information instead of for example i guess like for learn more if you say lear, if you click on learn more on a typical let's say western website it's going to take you to let's say an faq page or you know it will take you to a contact form for you to talk to somebody but here they make you literally download a pdf file <laughs> Which which is kind of strange to some, but that's how they are because even with the other transactions happening here, for example, if you buy a house, uh, this is something that I just learned from, from a colleague of mine. So he bought a house recently and he told me that the person in charge of the loan, approving the loan, they really explained to him like, point per point like what are the implications of like getting this loan and then buying this house what he needs to um take note of as opposed to i guess like in other countries they, they just make you sign things like okay just sign over here but in japan they really like walk you through the whole contract like before you even sign to make sure that you really understood all the contents in that contract so i guess like it also translates in the digital space i imagine mm-hmm. that yeah. could be why
0: yeah and over here like you know consumerism is a whole thing so you want to see the deal as quick as possible by information Mm -hmm. overload if I just going to drop of a not shop so (laughs) yeah exactly exactly. exactly and you know like what you mentioned right now is really very valid because there was a time one of my friends you know she was doing one thing on particular app i don't know if i mentioned name of apps on this platform but it's like oh like you know can you support me like you know i'm hosting blah blah on this app you know please go there like vote for me and all that and i opened the app and i had to delete it in bit i'm like what the heck? what is this there was just so much information like you know, things popping on the screen chat text mm-hmm. flashing stuff i'm like how do you use this application like i don't want to see you know whereas for example like you know over here how you design product Everything is laid out step by step. You know, you can see from step one to step two. Mm. But then everything there are so many things happening. Something we're dancing all over the screen, running here and there, fireworks. I'm like, I just I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't do this. So yeah, you actually <laughs> yeah. Like, exactly. And, and also to like you know one thing that came to my mind too is traditionally, in, and this is just from like a visual standpoint, the calligraphy, how Japanese the Japanese writing left to right and written in those columns like. Lots mm. of dense information, whereas we write line, line, line. So you kind of read, zzz, zzz, yeah, like that. So maybe it might be like a factor in how those things are laid out because, like, when you open like a scroll with all those things, you see everything all at once. Whereas with mm. us, you kind of flip, you know, page by page, you know, scroll up and down, and also. But I, 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 I digress.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. Like the the way the, the way Japanese people read too. That that's also different from the Western side. Like for example, with the manga, right? Mm-hmm in manga they read from the opposite direction yeah, um,
2: exactly.
1: so that's another thing to consider so like culture and context really matters
2: mm-hmm. for sure yeah well i yeah i'm going to move on now to our to our last question here But so this has been like yeah this has been super fun talking about like yeah the whole different like cultures but yeah i'm just going to close it off now for the last question uh what so mishope so what does the future hold for you in your product design career you plan to stay here in toronto or go back to your go back to home to lagos or do you want to move to a different country
0: yeah that's a very good question in terms of like i'll start with the last one instead of location canada is still home for now i don't have an intention of moving back to nigeria anytime soon now like you know i'm currently like you know definitely will get my citizenship in canada and all depending like i might move, maybe I might, I might try working in, in the states maybe because i want like you know i have dreams of i want to buy a big house and Houses in Canada are just expensive, especially in, like in the in the major cities. But I might, in the future, depending, like you know, if I start a family and all, it's going to be very hard to move. But for now, Canada is home. I might work, move somewhere else. Then maybe later, maybe not now, like in 10, 15, 20 years, I might then go back to Nigeria. But for now, Canada is still home. And currently, I'm a senior product designer. And what the future holds for me is like leveling up within my design career. I'm I I'm am an, indiv- an individual contributor and in IC right now. And I don't want to nurture pivot into management. So I'm going to stay in the IC track for a while, you know, move from senior designer to staff designer and you know all that. And mm-hmm. if I feel like, Hey, I want to manage people, then I can switch into the managing track and manage people. So I have like, you know, I lead a team of, des- of designers, but I am not their manager. Like they're not going to come to me and say, Oh, I want to increase my salary. That's not my headache. Mm-hmm. Mine is for us to lead the product. Like, you know, I'm not, it's yeah. So, Management is a different track entirely, and some people, you know, want to do it, but I think I like the day-to-day crafts of me designing something. Mm. So, yeah, for now, the future for me is stay in the IC track, become more, like, grow more to be, like, a design leader, staff designer, and all that, and at least that's the immediate near, you know, three years, four years, five years, so,
1: yeah. Cool. I think you're pretty much on your way there. I mean, working at Meta, (laughs) pretty sure, like, you're you're challenged every day, and you know, there's interesting things
2: that you're working on as well. So yeah. Don't tell them yeah. that I deactivated or deleted my Instagram. <laughs> I don't know no. if that will affect no, them.
1: Lost fine. one user.
0: Oh, no, it's fine. Like, you know, there are more people on internet daily and, you know, if then wait, if somebody has break, like take a social media break for your mental health. Like, you know, no one is going to beat you for that. So yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll <laughs> depend on the other billion people <laughs> for their money.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: I think with that, we can cap off this episode, right? Thank you so much again, Mashope, for making the time to be on our podcast. Thanks everyone for for listening to today's episode. So you can follow um Mashope on social media. So we'll be linking those in the show description. So um watch out for that. To get notified when we drop an episode, Please subscribe to Designer Sushi on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and uh, Google Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram. So even though Lori is not on Instagram, uh, Designer Sushi is on Instagram. So you can follow us at designer.sushi uh, and on Twitter, uh, Designer uh, Sushi. And if you like what you're uh, listening to, please leave us a rating on Spotify and give us a review on Apple and it would be a huge help to our show and so that we can make more content that you like. And with that, we end this episode. So thank you again for your support. Bye! Bye! Bye!